0: Hello, hello and welcome to the Arts Equator Theatre Podcast. Today you have me, Naeem Kapadia, together with, as usual, Matt Lyon. Hello. And Kathy Rowland. Hello. And today we are discussing two plays by emerging theatre companies. We have The Hawker by The Second Breakfast Theatre Company and Ruma Dayak by a brand new theatre collective called Rupa Lab. So... The Hawker, Matt, tell us a little bit about that. Well, it was an interesting setup, wasn't it?
1: Because they've taken over the black box in Aliwal well Arts Center and laid it out like a Hawker Center with authentic Hawker tables, and they've printed the program so that it looks like a menu, and everybody's just gathered around one of five tables arranged in a kind of X shape in the space with various hawker stalls and paraphernalia around the outside of it, fairy lights, posters stuck up everywhere. And the conceit is that it's five short plays which take place simultaneously so that the audience gathered around each of the individual five tables hears one play, and then there's a little transition scene, and then they rotate. And same play, same simultaneity... But you get a different play in the table. Next to you gets a different play. And that's the way it works. I've not seen that done exactly that way before. So it's a really interesting idea. Uh, what did you think of it, Cathy? You've seen it twice, in fact.
2: I've seen it twice. So I should just uh, disclaimer that we could read the subtitle to this edition is actually the crony edition. Mm-hmm. Because as it happens, um, Denise Dolendo, who is one of the co-founders of Second Breakfast Company that produced the Hawker, at for Arts Equator and of course Nabila Said who is one of the co-founders of Rupa Collab that produced Rumadaya is Arts Equator's editor.
1: And I have and a former student Rachel Yun who played Rosie in The Hawker and a colleague Farah Jainal who did the set design. <laughs>
2: So we're putting it out there. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. Know, so there don't believe a word we say. Entanglements and, uh, and relationships along. But I think we can all set aside those things and we talk about it. So I saw, I saw The Hawker when it was part of Butts Youth Theatre's Asian Theatre Festival last year, 2018. And that was held at Republic Poly. It was really kind of a workshop production, really. It was, you know, we were the same setup. So over time, you will have experienced five different little vignettes. And all the characters are drawn from people that you would typically find in Hawker uh, Center, right? I did like it, I have to say. I think that there was a kind of level of proximity and proximation to the work that I liked. It could be seen as, you know, it's a gimmick, that it's just a staging technique. What I liked about it was that it brought me very close to the performances. And some of the stories really benefit from that because... Um, One story in particular, for example, was a story of two girls, um, Lian and Cindy. And they're schoolgirls, young teens, played by Lini Cheong and Ong Yixuan, who have this conversation about the relationship problems they're having with their family, the relationship problems they're having with friends. But also one girl confesses that she is obviously having some kind of an inappropriate relationship with one of her teachers, right? And there's a quality of that teenage kind of Um, naivety naivety, but also that total self-centeredness that you're completely oblivious to everything around you that you would have such a personal conversation sitting in a table shared by strangers and so that worked for me.
1: I agree that that did work quite well for exactly the reasons you say but my problem was that those reasons did not carry through to the other four pieces And so whereas I was fine to feel blanked by those two girls because they were so much in their own world and it was if we really weren't there, for the others it was this kind of uncomfortable playing style where they know we're there, but they're pretending we are not. And it gestured towards a kind of interactivity which it did not follow through with. And the only one of the five plays that made that work for me was the one you mentioned maybe also the one about the foreign worker receiving a phone call. But on the other hand, he was quiet and I couldn't really hear what he said a lot of the time.
0: same thing i i just couldn't feel i was drawn that strongly into some of the other stories and that just made me somehow feel a little dissatisfied overall because i thought in terms of tone the piece as a whole didn't really feel very even so in particular the one scene that just did not sit very well with me was a scene involving a divorcing couple who also own this hawker space and they've Presumably sold it off to a developer who's now going to build some department, um, new building or something like that. A
2: mall called the A-List Mall. Yeah, the
0: the A-List (laughs) Mall. Good memory there. And, you know, she just sits calmly opposite her husband, these Mm. um, two adults, and serves him divorce papers. And he has absolutely no expression on his face, just looks slightly forlorn. Um, It's a bit like wringing blood from a stone. I was sitting Mm -hmm. right next to Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. guy playing this husband character. And I kept looking at his face and I could get nothing from him. And she was equally kind of, you know, quite stern and didn't really have, Yeah didn't really have like quite a passive expression as well. So, you know, again, that was just not a very strong scene and I don't think being close to her really helped as well. Yes, it didn't,
1: because the unevenness of the entire event, because we had those wonderful performances The script for the two girls scene, um, script is by Aslam Shah, was I am so excited to watch what that playwright does next. I'll be the first in line buying tickets. But then the divorcing couple that you mentioned, I never want to see that playwright again. It's like two
0: playwrights. And the other thing actually which I thought was quite interesting was um, in between each of the five substantive scenes, there are these little... I wouldn't even call them vignettes but exchanges largely wordless that sort of go on between the characters that are supposed to be like a continuation of the story so you have like the brother giving the sister some money
2: you didn't like it Naeem right you found them quite problematic no I just thought it was
0: I thought it was a bit too fiddly for me Mm -hmm. and also the blocking doesn't help because you're sort of clustered around a table Mm -hmm. you have to crane sometimes to see what's happening and Mm -hmm. you know I get that it's trying to give a certain layer to the character Yeah. I just wasn't sure it necessarily helped. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a scene involving Daoud who I think is doing his ablutions with dirty water or something. I I couldn't really understand what was the reason behind that. Was there suddenly a cutoff in the water supply or something? Mm -hmm. And he looks like he's pain and he's like about to hold back tears or. I mean,
2: I actually didn't mind it because I thought, to me, it reminded me of them being caught in a loop, right? That they're all, because they're replaying these scenes again and again. So, that kind of moment of abstraction. I didn't mind at all. Talking about
0: a loop, and I think mm-hmm. in a sense that's a nice way to see it as well because it's these stories just continue to go yeah. on and mm-hmm. they just have a life of their own. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's quite interesting as but an audience. How much
1: of them have yeah. the weight to merit that? True.
2: True. Yeah, look, I think there were five stories, right? And yeah. we know that the ones with the two teen girls really worked. Yeah. The migrant worker, which is the only scene that was a solo piece, A monologue. Yeah, a yes. monologue because he ostensibly is having a conversation with his mother back in I uh, Somewhere somewhere in,
0: somewhere in India, yeah, Bangladesh, somewhere in about yeah. an arranged marriage. Yeah, about an arranged yeah.
2: marriage. And um, I thought that also worked because, again, half of the dialogue is in Tamil. Often when you're having a conversation on the phone, you feel, in a way, a false sense of privacy, right? Sure. That, you know, the people around you. and So that scene really worked. But I think you're absolutely right that the one with the divorce couple just didn't seem to fit at all. It didn't fit the setting. No. Uh, what was the other? There was another one, Nancy Endowed. Do you want to yeah. mention that? I think you had Yeah,
1: they... Well, I'm going to use that to go into the direction because... Mm-hmm. They stood opposite sides of a table and rubbed at the same non-existent stain on the table with their cloths for however long it was, 15 minutes, and that was the direction. That's not worth repeating five times. There's no kind of Beckettian world where that level of repetition works.
0: And that's the problem with a lot of the scenes. They they are ostensibly immersive because Mm -hmm. you are seated at a table with two actors strategically on Mm -hmm. opposite ends. But at the same time, it feels a little forced. Would two girls talking about such a momentous topic really be sitting 180 degrees opposite each other and not come round? I mean, I think yeah, just not to be movement. fair, the girls did come round a little that bit.
1: That was the best directed and that there was some movement. There was movement. a bit
0: of movement, but some of the others, I mean, the divorcing couple basically yeah. sat still. Yeah. Absolutely. And no yeah. It, yeah. no expression. Mm-hmm. Nancy stood up mm-hmm. and doubt stood where he was. It just felt very forced. Like, you know, oh, I have to be on this side of the table. You have to be on that side of the table. We just have to say these lines and wait for our allotted time. And speaking of that, obviously all the scenes don't have the same length mm-hmm. of time. Mm-hmm. So in particular, there was a scene involving... I I believe um, the character called Arumugam, Mm -hmm. who's the um, Indian-Bangladeshi migrant worker, who's having a conversation with his mother, Mm -hmm. and his scene is a little bit shorter than the others. And he would finish it and would sort of awkwardly sit and stand, move move around with his food, waiting for the other people to finish up their conversations.
1: Uh, I would actually go further and say that four out of five of them often appeared to be waiting for the others.
2: Oh, that's interesting because he was my last scene scene, scene. So uh, I didn't okay. have that experience. Oh, well, and he it was actually a beautiful particularly scene wait. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: okay, right. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, I think he was our second, um, second or third scene. Second or third, yeah. something like that, yeah. But very often there were these pauses that didn't seem to have any purpose to them. And I think for me it's that Tan Hui er it says she's a filmmaker. She's used in the framing to having a wide shot and an over-the-shoulder shot, and then she can choose what she gets. She's used to having an editor, and she's not used to theatre happening with fixed viewpoints in real time and her ability to control that was sadly just not there.
0: Yeah. But but look, I, I mean all, all that being said about the kind of weaknesses between the scenes, one thing I did like, which I think is probably worth mentioning is the kind of the 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 element of sight and smell. You yes. know, there was real food there on the table. Um you have the Indian character having real biryani which he kind of you know, Mm, is eating, mm -hmm. there's that sense of truly being at a hawker centre and that does try to help set that scene and anchor it a little Mm -hmm. bit. The fact that we are sitting around a table full of, you know, um, discarded food and drink and Mm -hmm. you can smell that Mm -hmm. food as well. And it's interesting because prior to the show, you know, you can go and buy things like kueh and and packet drinks and all Mm -hmm. that. So you have certain audience members actually eating as well. I think it does help to create that sort of immersive it really feel. It yeah, that's I mean, right. whether it's truly immersive in the sense yeah. that, you know, you're just being zoned out. I mean, that's a question, but I think they did make a good effort. Yeah. There's definitely not a lot of plays that have gone to this level of trying to include the audience. And I have to give them credit mm-hmm, for a new mm-hmm. company. It's a very mm. worthwhile experiment.
2: Yeah, and I think Glad also the, maybe the thing that, you know, I I just had to remind myself was, look, this is immersive theatre, but it's not participation theatre, my presence there doesn't change the work at all. I don't have, you know, I have no role as an audience. I'm just that my location and where I'm situated is just different. Um, But we agree that the script, lots of potential.
0: Mixed potential. Mm -hmm. Amazing Mm -hmm. and awful. (laughs) Look, I don't regret having seen the show. Mm -hmm. It's not the strongest thing I've seen by far. But I really enjoyed you know, moments. There were moments in the play, I think, that that really did resonate. There there's sort of elements on that touch on, you know, class yeah. and and, yeah. and social differences and just the idea of people coping with change in their lives. So it's something which, you know, hopefully I'd like to see developed yeah. and taken in another direction. And you know, at its very best, there was some really good writing, very yep. sharp, observant notes mm-hmm. about you know, the the tensions in modern Singaporean society and a good well, social commentary. Speaking
1: of which, shall we move on to our second play, Rumour Dayak? Uh, certainly a lot of societal tensions in there. Who's going to talk about this one?
2: Okay, so Rumour is written by Nessa Anuwa and it is produced by, as we've mentioned, the new collective. I want to say the members' names. So it's Nessa Anuwa, Nabila Sayed, and Hazwan uh, Norli, who are the three co-founders of Rupa CoLab. Nessa was a playwright and also directed it. Um, and it's not her first time. She's staged two other works before, right, Naeem?
0: Yeah, so Nessa, I first saw her, in fact, we all saw her seven years ago in when she was still at NUS doing a student production um, uh, which was by the NUS stage and which also saw the involvement of Checkpoint Theatre called City Night Songs. And it was basically about a group of seven friends, you know, and their kind of trials and tribulations of, you know, life and love, if you like. And Nessa played a Malay character called Aisha, who also enjoyed, um, you know, motorbikes. And each of those characters had a monologue Mm -hmm. where they just talk about their passions and interests and things. And and she was obviously talking about her love for, you know, just biking in the darkness and just owning the Mm -hmm, highway. And it's interesting because then she took that story and she expanded it into a full length play, which was called Riders Know When, when it's, it's Going to rain. rain, which uh came in the Singapore Theatre Festival in twenty fifteen. Sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yep. So a few years later. Mm-hmm. And that was a full play about, you know, this group of friends who are all bikers, just again dealing with their own, you know, tensions in life. And this is now her second full length play. Um, And I really, really think that in that space of time, Nessa has shown tremendous growth as a writer. One of the issues I had when I saw that very first show of her City Night Songs was that I felt it was somehow impossibly articulate. She just felt somewhat distanced from that a little bit sub- like a writing exercise. Yeah, it was a bit like I'm going to be very abstract and write, be very abstract and poetic about some something that's actually a bit coarse and earthy
2: about a subculture that she obviously knows well but then chooses to kind of yeah, as you say, write quite poetically like about. Maybe
0: yeah. because of that I just couldn't get under the skin of the characters she was trying to portray and I felt a little bit like that in riders as well. So you know there was a lot of nice conversation between the four characters, mm-hmm. I believe, in that show. But then they would kind of Step out into a monologue. Step out into mm. a monologue. And but... the
1: spotlight would hit them. Yeah. And then you're in and a and then play.
0: again you feel a little bit distanced. But here in this show, Ruma Dayak, it's very much a realist you know, show about a safe house for these wayward Malay Mm. youths. And
2: there's six youths. Six
0: youths run by a couple in their 30s. And it's just offering these kids who've obviously made certain mistakes in their life, who've spent time in, you know, in boys' homes, girls' homes, jail, etc., a way to kind of reintegrate and go back into society. And the way they speak may not be the most polished or articulate, but Mm. it has a certain powerful poetry of its own yeah. and a musicality just in terms of the almost the insults and the the yeah. exchanges yeah. and the barbs as well mm-hmm. that they throw.
2: I think her year for dialogue is absolutely finely tuned. So there's a kind of um, rhythm that you talked about. And the vulgarity was pure pleasure to me. I mean, so I, as, <laughs> you, you understand Malay yes, as well. Yes. I mean, it's just pure. The number of times the bookie marks came out yeah. was fantastic. You know, it's unapologetically so, I think. There was a kind of dark humour to the sexual um, yeah. jokes, which... Yeah, it's kind of hard to think of any other play I've seen in recent times that has got this. I
1: mean, obviously, you're talking a lot about the language there, and I can't access that. Mm, mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. so often for me, that is the least important element of drama. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to see the plot. I want to see the Mm -hmm. character development. Mm -hmm. As long as the language isn't horribly stilted, Mm -hmm. I'll just assume that someone speaks like that and get on with what is actually going to give me Mm -hmm. the emotional experience here. So... For me, the subtitles were very serviceable. I didn't worry about it. What mm. I did like was that it was a rich theatrical experience with character development, yeah. with multi threaded plots. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was yeah.
2: By this. yeah. I think because the work also deals with a minority within a minority. Exactly. Right? So yeah. So you've got, you know, and it's not your model minority, right? This idea yeah. of the model minority who's who's dismantled and disproved all the negative stereotypes. Yeah. This is a work that actually really stages some of these stereotypes, right? The disenfranchised, Slacker meg uh, colossal mistakes in your life and having to kind of, you know, still make mistakes. Exactly right? what they call Even, themselves
0: sampa yeah, which is the scum of society, right, basically. Yeah. That's a term which they, themselves, they, they embrace it they almost. They embrace it, yeah.
2: And when I was watching, I was thinking, oh gosh, you know, I mean, are we reinforcing stereotypes in this work? That thought did cross my mind. But as the work developed, I really felt that staging it was like an act of defiance on the part of Rupa Collective as well as Nessa, because there's a kind of desire and ability to really embrace all of the things that are derided about this minority within a minority. And because it was so fleshed out, as you say, right? The it was human. So fleshed out. You can't
1: be yes. stereotyped if you're human. Right,
2: exactly. And so what you have then is this switch from something that is, you know, staging your dirty laundry into a celebration of the difference. One, a celebration of resilience.
1: Yeah.
2: But also never ending in a hallmark moment that everything is going to be okay. No, it almost
1: certainly wasn't. Yeah. What I really appreciated in the characters, because I've seen, you know, TNS Underclass, many Mm. plays here, at least set a foot into that idea of an Underclass and put it on stage. But what you don't so often get is the attempt to struggle from within the system. And of course you don't get that because artists are pretty much by definition... Outside the system, trying to make their hammer dents into it from the outside. But in the character of, can you help me with the character name? The mm-hmm. woman who ran the shelter?
2: Julia. Julia. Made by um, Farah Lola.
1: Thank you very much. You had somebody there who was trying to, as much as possible, do it by the book, or at Mm -hmm. least who understood the merits of doing that, Mm -hmm. and that they would give them the money and she was prepared to play by those rules, and she was prepared to make those compromises. And her husband in the play, Naha,
0: well, I think boyfriend, uh, Naha, who's played by Al-Martin Yatin,
1: was vehemently opposed to that. and that's a conversation with a great deal of nuance, which I don't remember seeing on the stage. And I thought it was captured beautifully, intelligently, honestly. Mm. It was really there no, for that.
0: Yeah. I, I, I really liked, sorry, no, I, mm-hmm. I really, really did like that character of Julia. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just felt that there were times when it felt a little artificial. So yeah. the play starts with mm-hmm. her just speaking almost exclusively in English and a very kind yeah. of formal English as well, which... I somehow feel would not be used in this type of group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure what was the reason for that. Right. It just felt like, oh, I'm trying to establish as much of a difference in terms of class and age well, as yeah. possible.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I could see that character doing that for precisely that purpose. And I agree to play that authority. It Yeah, I agree that it read as artificial, but I was very happy with that level of kind of self-enforced artificiality from a character who didn't think she'd end up here. It was basically her boyfriend's idea, uh, but has ended up here and really needs to fill those shoes. But I also agree that when it came to the point where she was put under so much pressure that that veneer should crack and the raw emotion should come out maybe wasn't quite there. She very. kept
2: it together a yeah, bit too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very hard sometimes to tell because we can agree that the character is well drawn. It's it's yes. very flesh. But, you know, whether it's a, it's a lack of experience on the part of the actor or a directing a choice, directing right? Thing. You know, but we feel well, that there was something missing. At I point. found
1: the direction in this very strong. I mean, the cast had such a cohesive playing style, such amazing chemistry with mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. You'd not be surprised to learn that they'd all lived together for two years, would you? If I told you that as fact, you'd buy yeah, it. yeah, you'd and and it yeah. is
0: directed by Nessa herself, so mm. she both wrote and directed the play. And I don't think Nessa's actually had a lot of directing experience. Mm. It does not show. No. I mean, it no. just came together so coherently and the fact that this was the inaugural production of a brand new theater collective, it's
2: pretty spectacular. I
0: yeah. think that it is every bit the equal of any professional Production that we have out I, there?
2: I mean, there are two things though. So, one thing that I really liked about directing, and one thing that I didn't. So, I liked, so there's a kind of prelude, it opens with a little scene that yeah. is completely in Malay. I could understand most of it but because it's slang, right? And it's it's generational. My God, what are these young people saying? But then it's a prelude. Then it moves into the actual play and their subtitles. Surtitles. But actually, I liked that moment because it was like this moment of exclusion. It was the director being very purposeful and staging something mm. that would purposely exclude some part of the audience yeah, let's saying, assume this
1: is the community we're dealing with right now
2: and no but this is also yeah. the kind of exclusion that someone who let's say doesn't yeah. speak mandarin for example experiences and, on a you daily know, basis I,
1: I agree with you that that was the purpose and that it was achieved perfectly but also without feeling inhospitable because no, they no. left the yeah. house lights up so yeah. you knew it was a pre-show mm-hmm.
2: But then also, then the moment comes when the subtitle's in. And there's this moment of like, as an audience member, kind of relief and gratitude. Yeah. Oh, you're letting us in, right? Yeah. You know, So I, I really, I liked that moment. You know, yeah. I was thinking nice. of this
0: very um, interesting image of, you know, when you go swimming and there's that moment where you put your leg in the water and you're like, oh my God, it's so cold, it's so cold. Can I go in? Can I go in? Then, Fine, I'm going mm-hmm. in. And you just like...
1: I usually take don't Take that go
0: plunge. In. It's a bit like that. They plunge you into yeah. the cold yeah, yeah. water. Yeah. And in a way, once you're in, you're like, actually, this is not bad. It's oh, not it's that beautiful. cold. Yeah, and yeah. it's really beautiful. So, I mean, the play was like that for me. Yeah. It took a while for me to warm up and i think because initially i wasn't sure where it was going and you know the malay i know is very proper malay so you know i also because you're
2: proper yeah
0: i i i had to rely a lot on the <laughs> subtitles especially with the vulgarities um oh, you know please. I, was, I was clutching oh, I, my sure. pearls i was uh, clutching my pearls yeah yeah so you know um but once you get in i just got really really drawn into the whole show and it's just again a credit to Nessa for kind of combining yeah. that you know that slapstick with that real emotional heft you know there's this sense that you know the, the kids are sticking up for each other you have some of them who've been in this safe house for a long time and they just can't sort of integrate themselves back so mm-hmm. apart mm-hmm. from you know we talked about Julia as the chaperone but mm-hmm. I thought there were some other really decent performances I really like um, the two actors playing the younger characters so mm-hmm. I think they're called Boy and another one's called um, Slim. 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 Slim so yeah.
2: Boy is played by uh, One Juan Ahmad as Boy and um, Ali, uh, Ali Mazrin, Mazrin. Ali Mazrin mm-hmm. Ali Mazrin and you know again it's just just these
0: two kids who, you know, presumably don't come from great backgrounds, but they want to genuinely improve themselves. And mm-hmm. there's this lovely scene where they're having an English tuition class Helping trying to write an essay really about migration and, and you know, and just... I
1: recognise that essay. I've taught general paper in neighbourhood schools. I mean, it was a remarkable scene because we laugh at the fact that they are bad at doing it, but then we also think... Why are they even required? We've seen these characters be incredibly eloquent, Mm -hmm. have really strong feelings, want to improve their lives, be part of a community, and then what matters, this absolutely pointless essay that they just do not and will not probably ever have the skills for. And it's a really subtle comment on the sad shape of society.
2: Can we talk about um, Ella, the character, yeah, and the I performance. Yeah, because I was going to go there as yeah, well. I was you know. going to jump in so, with the same thing. So, Rusdina Afika, as Ella I'm not going to try and pronounce that, um, but... You yeah, go for with it. apologies, if I yeah. said that wrongly. She played the role of Ella, who is... I mean, it's already a house of people who are rebellious and... for And oh, she's
1: the one who's known to have the attitude. Yes, she's the So she's the got one to step it up <laughs> and she brought it. Mina Unplugged. Oh,
2: my God. Um, yeah, she was kind of this moment of anger... And she just comes in as a gale force, right? Every time Radiating she's all, yeah, disdain, yes, disdain and, and anger, and yeah. all the failures of society kind of, you know, reside emotionally in yeah. her, right?
1: And it's not so hard as an actor to get into that mode, but what is so hard is to show that vulnerability mm. mm-hmm. underneath to the audience, but not to the other characters. Yeah. Yeah. And she did that so well; yeah. you immediately know why she is mm. so aggressive mm-hmm. because she is so broken, yeah. and you see that as an audience member, and you see that the characters don't see it. She Honestly, she there's a scene yeah.
0: where she goes into another room, which is, I think, with Julia. Mm-hmm. And that guard sort of goes mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. reveals mm-hmm. that, actually, I don't want to go home. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend time with my real family. The moment for me was she's gone through the entire play,
1: bossing people around, screaming at them, mm-hmm. do this, do this, do that. It comes to the point where she needs to ask for the most important thing. And she says, please. Mm-hmm. And as an mm-hmm. actor, she throws it away. She doesn't, like, try and say that this is the big Oscar moment. She doesn't moment. over-emote. She yeah. doesn't overemote it, but with all the work she's done on that mm. character, that, please, yeah. just yeah. hit me.
2: Yeah, and the sense of loyalty that she has, right? There's yeah. a code, right, of not snitching. So, I mean, that was, again, very finely drawn, very nice touches in, in the way the character was drawn.
0: I, I wasn't a fan of the scene transitions, I oh, have yeah. to say. <gasps> and there are quite a lot of them. Too many. Uh, the entrances lot.
2: and exits were awkward. Because...
0: All that happens is that it just goes black and it's silent for about 15 seconds and you hear shuffling. 15? That's a bit unfair. 10, 10-ish, basically. Mm. But there was just this big, long pause. I just felt that could have been either quickened, maybe use a few Fewer music, of them with a bit fewer- of a
1: redraft. I don't know if I would want to put music in because then you're soap opera territory mm-hmm. yeah, maybe. Sure. Mm-hmm. But if in a bigger venue you'd have wings, you'd be able to speed them yeah. up a little bit, yeah. you know, yeah. I think it's just another draft to reduce the number and then more money in a bigger venue.
0: Still, all that said and done, it is still a very, very solid script. Um, I think everyone at Rupa Colab can be very proud yep. yeah. of staging this as their very first production. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if they ever do stage a, a new version of it, I think i yeah, would be we'll very be yeah. very keen to yeah. see and tell people all about it mm. yeah so
1: Last time we, we had a bit of a problem with the shows we saw. We promised we would go and see good theatre and we did go it, and see yeah. good theatre.
2: It's a great way to end the year, really. Yeah, it is. Right?
0: And it kind of makes it quite optimistic for, yeah, you know, two what... Two
2: young companies.
0: Two young companies really putting out some very thought-provoking, powerful stories about, you know, the Singaporean life. Yeah, here's hoping for more next time.
2: Thank you for joining us, everyone.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.